Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of February 5, 2023. The 2023 American Council of the Blind President's Meeting and Legislative Training will be virtual on Zoom and also on ACB Radio from Saturday, March 4th through Tuesday, March 7. This important opportunity will help us all to learn more about ACB and how we can work together on issues that can help people who are blind or who have vision loss. Programs will be broadcast on ACB Media. Listen on Alexa or on your Victor Stream or Register and get in on the discussion on Zoom from any computer, cell phone, or landline phone. The registration for this event is now open. KCB will pay the $25 registration fee for all of our members who want to participate. Take advantage of this opportunity by calling the KCB office at 502-895-4598 no later than Friday, February 17. If you are not already a KCB member, you can pay your KCB dues at the same time. Just $8 for 2023 or $40 for a life membership. Caution! If you are registering for the training through KCB, please do not also register directly with ACB. If you plan to attend the training and you do not wish to participate as a KCB member, Contact ACB directly at 612-332-3242 or visit the ACB website at www.acb.org for more information. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its next in-person support group meeting on Monday, February 13, from 1 to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The group meets at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. The meeting is free to anyone who is experiencing a loss of vision. Friends and relatives are also welcome. For more information, give us a call at 502-895-4598. The guest speaker at the February 15 KCCLV Support Group meeting will be Sam Seavey from Lexington, Kentucky. Sam's YouTube channel is a great resource for information about low vision. He shares news of new products and tips for living with vision loss. Find out how to connect with Sam's YouTube channel and much more by joining the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Zoom call by dialing 669-900-6833. Enter the code 862-9889-6972. The Tri-State Library users the Kentucky chapter of the Library Users of America is reading Snowball, the Dark Iceland series, book one, by Jonasson Ragnar, J-O-N-A-S-S-O-N-R-A-G-N-A-R. It's DB109348, and it's also on Bookshare. The Tri-State Meeting for February is on Saturday, February 18, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. All are welcome, no matter where you live. The dial-in number is 669-900-6833, and the code is 
9889-6972. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind held its winter quarterly meeting on Friday, February 3. This was a hybrid event and there were 35 people in person and on Zoom. Patty Cox prepared a delicious meal of ranch chicken thighs, roasted new potatoes, green beans, salad with homemade croutons, and cupcakes for dessert. Thanks to Samantha Hubbard, Debbie Persons, and Dave Wildy for their help with the meal. Thanks to Alan Shrebchenko for preparing and serving the coffee and hot chocolate on a cold night. And thanks to Joey Couch, Brock Persons, and Natalie Couch for making the audio and Zoom possible. Our speakers were Clark Rackville from the ACB National Office in Alexandria, Virginia, and Janet Dickelman, ACB Convention Coordinator from St. Paul, Minnesota. On page two, you'll hear Clark share details about ACB's 2023 legislative imperatives. He explains how KCB members can participate in meetings with our members of Congress during the ACB leadership and training weekend scheduled for March 4 through March 7. He also talks about the ACB rally and protest planned for March 10 in Washington, D.C., concerned with continued refusal by the government to issue paper money accessible to all people, including those with little or no vision, which was court-ordered in 2008. Check out page 3 on Soundprints this week to hear about Braille and audio magazines distributed by the NLS. You'll find over 30 Braille magazines and 60-plus audio magazines that you can receive free of charge upon request through your Talking Book Library. Listen to Soundprints each week on ACB Media One, the mainstream channel. Our broadcast times are Sunday at 8 p.m., Monday at 8 a.m., Tuesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., Wednesday at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m., Thursday at 10 p.m., and Friday at 1 a.m., 10 a.m., and 1 p.m. All times are Eastern. Listen on your Victor Stream or on the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Listen anytime, 24 hours a day, on the KCB information line by calling 773-572-6318 and choosing Option 2 from the menu. For more information about Soundprints or to request a free subscription on audio CD, playable on any standard CD player, call us at 502-895-4598. Page 2. For those of you that don't know, my name is Natalie Couch, and um, I am the president of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. Um, Tonight, for our quarterly meeting, we will be hearing from Clark Rackfall. So he will be talking about the um, legislative seminar and um, that is coming up the first two weekends in March. Thank you all for coming and um, since Clark is here I am going to go ahead and um, turn it over to Clark um, who is the director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, I hope I got that right, um, for ACB. Um, so, Clark, 
Clark, um, I will hand it over to you. Well, thank you so much and good evening, everyone. Uh, yes, you did, you nailed it perfectly, uh, but I'll say it again. Hi, everyone, this is Clark Rockfall. I'm the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind, based out of the National Office in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, so in, in this role, of Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. I have the privilege to oversee everything federal legislation dealing with Congress, as well as federal regulations, working with the, you know, the administration in the White House, as well as all of the federal departments, agencies, and commissions. Um, I also work on legal advocacy on behalf of ACB, as well as consult with our you know, more than 65 state and special interest affiliates, as well as chapters and members on the advocacy efforts that they are pursuing. Um, but tonight, I'm here to chat with everyone about the DC Leadership Conference, and thank you all for spending your a portion of your Friday evening with me. Um, our DC leadership meeting is coming up in March. Um, and that was Natalie, I believe, that introduced me. And, and as was stated, it's the first two weekends in March. So March 4th <coughs> to 7th is the completely virtual portion of the DC leadership conference. And that'll look like, uh, for those who have attended in the past, uh, that'll look really familiar. That's the typical format of the president's meetings on uh, ways to strengthen your affiliate, sessions on management, finances, membership, fundraising, communication, um, as well as reports from ACB committees and getting to know new ACB board members. On Monday, March 6th, and Tuesday, March 7th, we will have the legislative seminar, also following a pretty traditional format. Uh, so roughly 1 p.m. Eastern to 6 p.m. Eastern, we will have panelists and speakers. Uh, many of these panels and sessions are being moderated and hosted by our the members of our ACB Advocacy Steering Committee and the chairs and members of our various advocacy committees focused on items such as accessible health and wellness and advocacy issues important to people who are deafblind or self-advocating for older Americans with vision loss. Um, we've got session, a session on how to file uh, federal uh, disability <laughs> rights complaints as well as issues um, important to people who are blind and low vision when it comes to housing advocacy. We'll also have several guest speakers and a speaker to give an overview of the political landscape here in the 118th Congress and 2023 being the first term of the 118th Congress. During these sessions and in the the month ahead in February, um, we'll also have overviews of our four legislative imperatives. 
and Summer, you were like, oh, finally, that's what we were waiting for him to talk about, and he's getting there now. But before I talk about the legislative imperatives, just like to remind, um, for those of you who are ACB members, registration is now open for the D.C. Leadership Conference. You can call the national office or you can visit the acb.org website to find out more information. And, uh, because in addition to registering for the virtual portion, you may also register for the in-person portion of the D.C. Leadership Conference. And the in-person portion will take place on Thursday, March 9th through Sunday, March 12th. Uh, there'll be a, uh, an ACB board meeting for those of you who are not faint of heart. Uh, but if you don't want to attend the board meeting on Thursday the 9th, you can go to an all-day tour of George Washington's Mount Vernon estate. And this is a, a very accessible tour, and that's what we're seeking to accomplish with all of the tours in and around the DC area is to highlight audio description in museums and exhibits and all other accessible um, tours and exhibits throughout the area. Many of these brought about in consultation with ACB or through ACB's advocacy efforts. In addition to the tours, we will have uh, many hands-on experiential uh, exhibits and focus groups, uh, things that cannot translate to the virtual environment because it's, it's uh, our members giving hands-on feedback about the accessibility of remote voting technology or uh, accessible and tactile images created from the, the information being brought, beamed back to Earth from the James Webb Space Telescope, um, or interfacing with representatives from the National Library Service at the Library of Congress uh, and the technologies that they are rolling out. So lots of, lots of stuff going on. Uh, oh yeah, we're also gonna hold a, a rally in Washington, D.C to push the federal government and the U.S. Treasury to honor the 2008 court decision requiring our currency to be made accessible. And we would love to have folks there. Again, registration is open. Uh, you can register on the ACD website or by calling the national office. There's also a room block at the hotel and you can use the code ACB23 uh, to get a discounted hotel rate. Uh, so we have four legislative imperatives this year, and they are all going to sound familiar because they were the four legislative imperatives from last year. Uh, why are we bringing back our legislative imperatives? Well, as I mentioned, January marked the beginning of the 118th Congress. The 117th Congress covered the two years 2021 through 2022. And at the end of a Congress, the bills that were not passed into law do not get to pass go. They do not collect $200. They have to start again. So all of the legislation that we had introduced last year that did not become law, we need to work with our partners, uh, with our elected officials, to ensure that they know 
these are still imperatives for us and they are still important to be reintroduced in the 118th Congress. Um, typically, it takes around eight years for a bill to become a law. That would be four congressional terms, um, and that's why we need to be persistent in advocating for what we believe in. So the first item I'll talk about is the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. And this is a, a bill that, if passed, would require the Food and Drug Administration to assess medical devices and remote diagnostic equipment, especially those meant for in-home use, you know, where the, the patient or caregivers are the ones using the device, as opposed to those in a hospital where trained professionals are using it. Uh, but these devices, they need to be accessible to people who are blind and low vision. Uh, the best example of this, of course, are glucose monitors and insulin pumps, with diabetes being the leading cause of for working age. So, so we need to ensure that these products are designed, tested, and developed with accessibility at their core so the people who are blind and low vision uh, can remain as members of their community and live independently. Of course, it's not only uh, diabetes-related products, but uh, remote heart monitors, um, pulse oximeters, blood pressure cuffs, heck, even thermometers, right? Yes, there are some talking thermometers out there, but all of these products need to be accessible, so it's not a, a guessing game for people with disabilities. And certainly there are more, um, more technical products that are coming on the market every day. I mean, heck, there's, there are medical devices out there for home, uh, home administered chemotherapy for cancer patients. Well, I would say that it's pretty important that that stuff be accessible so that people with disabilities can use it, use it safely, and use it effectively. We have another health and wellness-related imperative. You know, the, the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act, that's really focused on the, the medical equipment that can um, help when folks already have a chronic medical condition or to help treat an acquired acute or chronic condition. But we wanna give folks the tools and the resources that they need to not be in that situation in the first place if they can avoid it, right? And that's why we're supporting the Exercise and Fitness for All Act. And this is a piece of legislation that would require for gyms and fitness centers to have accessible equipment for people who are blind and low vision. You know, currently the regulations for gyms and fitness centers in terms of accessibility, it's like, is there a ramp to the door? Is the door open wide? Is there, uh, can you roll a wheelchair into the shower? Okay, we're good everything's accessible. And as people who are blind know, that is not the case. 
mean, how many times have folks gone to a gym or a fitness center and either there was no one there to help with activating the equipment or after you ask the person at the front desk once or twice, they get fed up and they don't want to continue assisting folks with setting up the equipment so that they can use it safely. By requiring this equipment to be accessible for people with disabilities, we can take control of our health, we can uh, mitigate the chronic and comorbid conditions that impact more people who are blind than they do the general population. Conditions such as obesity, diabetes, high cholesterol, heart disease, hypertension. Um, all of these chronic conditions carry their own health risks. And again, if we can, if, if we, as people who are blind and low vision, have access to the tools, the resources, the exercise and fitness equipment made accessible from the beginning, then we can take charge of our health. We can live more independently uh, and integrated in our community, equal to all others. So that's, that's true health and wellness related uh, imperatives, the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act and the Fitness for All Act. Both of these pieces of legislation were introduced uh, in the 117th Congress in the last two years and we need these bills to be reintroduced in the 118th Congress. They have not been introduced yet. But that could change, so we'll certainly keep everyone posted if any movement does happen between now and our DC Leadership Conference. Our third imperative is a bill that was introduced last year, and that's the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act. Uh, in short here, not all websites are accessible, not all applications are accessible, not all online services or portals are accessible. So students trying to access uh, e-learning platforms, employees trying to access uh, portals for, for HR or finance or uh, data management systems and any number of applications in the workplace, um, folks encounter inaccessible services. And there are no, there's no national framework in place for enforcing accessibility in the online environment. Uh, folks point to the web content accessibility guidelines, um, which is often referred to as WCAG or WCAG, and these are referenced in the requirements for the federal government and federal contractors um, in Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act, but there's no enforcement to Section 508, and this does not extend to uh, private businesses. This does not extend to state and local government. Um, it doesn't extend to healthcare providers. So people with disabilities, people who are blind and low vision are encountering access barriers, especially throughout the pandemic and over the past two years where businesses shut their front door 
You know, they closed their physical premises, and a lot of them, the only way to do business with them was through their virtual front door on their website, on their application. Well, much like the ADA ensures, and the you know the ADA and the implementing regulations ensure that the physical built environment is accessible, we need to ensure that the virtual built environment, the online. Uh, places of public accommodation, that those are also accessible to people who are blind and low vision. So that's that's the real purpose of the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act. We want to make all online spaces accessible. We want to ensure that when a parent or a student says that their learning platform is inaccessible, the school doesn't say, well, shucks, the third party, you know, the, the company we bought it from told us it was, there's nothing we can do. This law would change that. Um, if a, an online retailer has an inaccessible website and you can't complete a purchase, this law would prevent that. So we're really excited about the Website and Software Applications Accessibility Act. And it's actually really closely related to our fourth imperative, which is the Communications, Video, and Technology Accessibility Act, the CVTA. And I know what some of you are thinking, CVTA, that sounds really familiar. Where have I heard that before? Well, you're probably thinking of the Communications Video Accessibility Act, the CVAA, that was passed in 2010. And most folks know the CVAA because that's the law that required uh, broadcast networks and the top five cable programmers to provide audio description. That was the... That law laid the groundwork for accessible media, video user interfaces, online web browsers, and uh, wireless phones and communication technology. That law was also passed now 13 years ago. Think about how much technology has changed and evolved in 13 years. the first streaming show on Netflix was House of Cards that had its first season in 2013. That was three years after this law was passed. So the CVTA, the Communications Video and Technology Accessibility Act, will amend the CVAA. It will modernize the Communications Video Accessibility Act that was passed in 2010. It will build upon the accessibility gains and the requirements that were codified in 2010 so that it fits our current landscape of how people are consuming media and entertainment, how individuals are communicating. Uh, Here's another example for you. From the CVAA, we have regulations for for text communications, you know, whether on your phone or on the internet. We have uh, regulations and requirements for audio communications. 
whether you're on a landline or a wireless phone or audio communications over the internet. But you know what we don't have regulations for? Video communications. Platforms like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, Blue Jeans. Um, if you're using a video chat on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, wherever, I, I'm sure I'm leaving some out because there are so many video communications and video conferencing platforms. And there are no federal requirements for them to be accessible for people with disabilities. Um, we're fortunate that Zoom is mostly accessible to people who are blind. But our friends in the deaf and hard of hearing community have had to fight like mad to get captioning, to get ASL interpreters and relay services included in these technologies. And we need to make sure that they remain accessible and that the accessibility improves. And we need to, we need to ensure that they are accessible for everyone, including our friends and family in the deafblind community. So the CVTA would expand requirements for accessible communications. It would expand access to audio description and it would, it would expand the accessible user interface requirements because what good is having uh, everything be audio described if we can't access it? I don't know, I don't know how many folks here are on, are on the audio description discussion list within ACB, but I see a lot of messages about folks not, not understanding how to access and activate audio description or wondering why the method of accessing audio description is different depending on who your TV provider is or who made your set-top box or what brand television you have. So this bill would make that more simple and more clear and easier for consumers to access and understand. And then finally, the CVTA would also expand the National Deaf-Blind Equipment Distribution Program, uh, which is a, a program that gets accessible communications technologies into the hands of people who are deaf-blind so that they're not isolated, so they're not left out of the conversation, so that just like the rest of us, they can live uh, full and integrated lives in the communities of their choice. So those are our four legislative imperatives. I certainly hope that everyone joins the DC Leadership Conference and that you work with the, uh, the Kentucky Council of the Blind to be a part of the meetings with your uh, members of Congress in the House of Representatives and in the US Senate. Um, we'll have more opportunities to answer questions about these imperatives, as I said, during community events coming up in the third and fourth weeks of February, and then also during the leadership conference. I'd say the biggest thing when, uh, when our members, when, when folks like you all are talking with your members of Congress, you don't have to be experts on the bill. Um, that's, that's what you pay staff for, right? It, but where you all can be the most helpful to ACB and the organization as we advocate for these, imperator, these imperatives is sharing the barriers that you face on a regular basis with technology, with the healthcare system, with exercise and fitness equipment, and with websites and online applications and services. If you can share, uh, if you can 
explain to them the problem, right? The problem is that we can't access everything the same way everyone else does. The problem is that these products and services are not designed to be accessible for people with disabilities. Then we can convey the solution, but we really need you all to drive home what the problem is, let them know that your constituents, your voters, and you need them to help fix this problem. So thank you, and I'll turn it back over to our host to see if we've got any questions. All right, um, so if any of you would like to ask a question, um, please feel free to raise your hand on Zoom, and if you want to ask a question in the room, if you could vocalize that, you can go ahead and um, ask your question, Colleen. I have a question. I'm a big exercise person, and I have experienced that. So I get the gyms and stuff. Does that mean we can, I mean, advocate to try to get stuff in Braille for like the, you know, stationary bikes and the ellipticals and all of that? That's the goal, right? I mean, it might not be Braille, but some form of tactile markings and indicators, right? Okay. Um, something like this would uh, would go through a rulemaking process. The access board would create the, the guidelines that would become regulations. The access boards, the, the entity that created the requirements, you know, for tactile signs and door markings and things like that on buildings. So there's there's a good chance that it could be Braille. I say why not do Braille because yeah, it, it beats even, people having to learn a new tactile language. So yeah, yeah. let's do it. So this, we, this is Clark. I have a, I have a quick question. Mm -hmm. um, when are you all going to have the Kentucky Council of the Blind invite me to your state convention? In November. There in the bluegrass <laughs> state. In November, when the, when we have the convention. <laughs> I've never been. Uh, I've driven through. But oh, you want to come never, here? Like you want to really come here? Never spent time in uh, oh. in Kentucky. So he's volunteering. Let's, yes. Let's, let's make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we, I'm, I'm also working on the Hawaii Council as well. <laughs> hey, Natalie. Yeah. Um, I'd like for Clark to know that um, in person and on the phone tonight, Clark, we uh, have a total of thirty people. So thought you might like to know that for a local well, chapter, I think that's pretty good. And well, thank you for sharing that. And also thank you to the Kentucky Council and several of your chapters for signing on in support of the Website and Software Applications Accessibility Act. Also, we do have some um, people in that 30 on here who are from different states. And we might want to remind them that while you're not um, you, you would not be participating in the Hill meetings uh, with Kentucky representatives and senators. Um, it would be great if you would check with the affiliates in your area and see if you could participate with them because um, we're hoping that all of our affiliates will set up meetings, all the ACB affiliates will set up meetings so you, know, you could maybe find um, an affiliate that would be um, working from your state or a special interest affiliates. I think some groups like CCOVI and some of the low vision group, I think they're doing some meetings too. So there's there's just a lot of opportunities. And the other, the last thing I'll say is, Clark, if you could take just a second and tell people about that rally for accessible money. 
Thank you, Carla. And yes, on Friday, March 10th, um, ACB is working to organize a rally uh, to take place in Lafayette Square, just across the street, across Pennsylvania Avenue from the White House and about two blocks from the U.S. Treasury. Why? Uh, because paper money, our greenback, is not accessible to people who are blind and people who are low vision. They're all the same size, uh, pretty much all the same color, same general shape. So the American Council of the Blind filed a federal lawsuit back in 2002. And there was a court ruling in 2008 that any future currency redesigns must include accessibility features for the blind. Um, well, 2008, 2013, 2018, here we are in 2023, 15 years later, and there have been no currency redesigns um, that have been made accessible. The Biden administration, when they were campaigning and before getting elected, promised to create a Harriet Tubman $20 bill by 2024. And you know what, that's great because changing a portrait qualifies as a currency redesign. And therefore that currency would need to be made accessible. Uh, so far they have not followed through on that promise. And if that doesn't come to fruition, the next bill that it is slated to be redesigned is the $10 bill in 2026. Well, before 2026, that was scheduled for 2020. So there, there's no enforcement to require these redesigns to happen. And therefore there's no enforcement or requirement that our currency become accessible. So we are going to hold this rally to draw attention to this issue, um, to put public vocal public pressure on the Biden administration and the U.S. Treasury, and really just to raise a stink that there are over a hundred countries that have made their currency accessible, whether that's different colors, different size, different shapes. You know, Colleen mentioned Braille. In Canada, the bills have tactile markings on them. We don't have any of that. So there is certainly plenty of options that our federal government could be pursuing and could be doing to make our currency accessible. Um, some folks say, why worry about paper currency? Everything's online. Well, we just talked about how accessible online is. Um, but also, not everyone uses the internet. Now, we're here on Zoom and I'm scrolling through and I see a lot of folks dialing in on their telephones um, for, you know, for whatever reason, that's their choice, right? There are a lot of people that don't do online banking, that haven't bought into cryptocurrencies, that don't mobile deposit their checks. There's a lot of folks, um, typically folks who are disabled, folks who are from other marginalized communities, folks who are lower on the socioeconomic ladder that might get paid in cash, or uh, in hourly jobs that have tipping, they might get tipped in cash. And there are certainly hundreds of millions, if not billions of people around the entire globe 
that rely on U.S. currency. And there are plenty of disabled people that rely on paper currency as well. So that's why we're holding this rally. That's why we're raising the stink about this. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we've, we have contracted with a, uh, a, a professional firm uh, that was recommended by one of our partner organizations in the D.C. area to help us organize and hold a professional rally. Um, we're working on the run of show. We're working on invited guests because this this is important to people who are blind and low vision, people who are disabled. This is also important to um, organizations like Women's on Women on Twenties and organizations that want to see a currency redesign. This is important to uh, people of color and other marginalized groups. So I think we're going to have great support for this, and I hope that you all can join us for this rally on Friday, March 10th as well, uh, which happens to be Harriet Tubman's birthday. So how about that? This is Chuck, yes. You walk in these fast food restaurants, uh, Taco Bell, mm. they've got their nice-looking big screen kiosks. Kiosks. Yes, use the kiosks. They want you to place your order on the kiosks. They're trying to get away from the uh, person taking it behind the counter. So how do you tell, you know, what's on the kiosk if you can't see it very good? Do we see in the future maybe them putting some type of audio device in those where we can plug headphones into them? Here you go. Chuck, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, and you, you described it. So well. The only thing I'd add is it's not only fast food restaurants. It's uh, transportation hubs. It's your healthcare provider that are all uh, doing away with front desk customer facing assistance to move to kiosks. Well, some fast food places have, are already making their kiosks accessible. Uh, McDonald's and Panera Bread, for example. Um, they have keyboards and headphone jacks and audio outputs, but many more are not. Uh, ACB has active lawsuits right now with Quest Diagnostics and LabCorp. Um, if anyone has to get their blood checked or do uh, monitor their health through urine tests and samples, chances are you're going to a Quest Diagnostics or a LabCorp lab for your blood and urine and plasma and any other form of diagnostic testing. And they've done the same thing. Go to the kiosk. No one's in the reception area. Use the kiosk. How do you even know there's a kiosk? And once you get to the kiosk, what do you do with it? So we're very excited about these two lawsuits. The trial with Quest has actually already concluded. It concluded at the end of November. We're just waiting on the court ruling. Um, the trial with LabCorp has not yet begun, but we think that these are going to be uh, very important cases that impact the accessibility of kiosks going forward. I believe it's Jennifer. If I may backtrack just a little bit, um, 
My family and I are going to be looking into a blind membership. Um, if the, um, if the, like, treadmills and whatnot don't have, if they have push buttons, may I, if there's a way for me to, may I ask if they can put little labels on or, um, is there a good chance that they most likely would be removed and it would be a waste of my time? Who are you, uh, and Jennifer, you're saying that you are exploring a gym membership and if there are buttons on the equipment, whether you would be able to put braille on them at the gym? That is correct. Yeah, that, so that's something that I would recommend raising with the, the manager there at the gym. Um, I think that they would probably be willing to let you do that. Uh, but you're right, you run the risk of, you know, other people removing those temporary labels. You run the risk of when, uh, if the gym is hot and sweaty, like gyms are, the labels becoming less less sticky, or when the equipment is clean, the labels getting wiped off. Um, so I think that that's a, I hope that that works for you and that that is a good temporary solution. And it's, it's always good that we have these, these hacks and temporary solutions while we advocate for full accessibility. So I wish you luck in that endeavor. Thank you. I have one quick other question. Does everything have to be an app? Because not everyone, you know, like you said, not everyone in the technology uses their iPhone for this, that, and the other. Everything that you're advocating for doesn't have to be an app. No, not everything has to be an app. We want, we want accessibility to be included in everything. Um, so that any product or service that folks are using is accessible to them. Uh, I'd say a big trend right now, even in even in home appliances, like uh, unfortunately our washing machine just bit the dust, and we're looking at a new washing machine. And washing machines have apps. What what the heck does there need to be an app for a washing machine for? You just you push the button, it starts. Your clothes get clean. You throw them in the dock dryer, and you go on with your day, right? but they've got an app for a washing machine now. So if there is an app, I uh, want do the, they, excuse me, do they have something that will put the clothes in there for you too? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm that's just, the idea. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, that's you the, know, that's the they make an app for everything, so why not make an app to do laundry for us? Yeah, so if there is an app, we want the app to be accessible, but like a washing machine, we want the dang washing machine to be accessible too. We don't want people with disabilities to have to use an app to get accessibility. We want accessibility included out of the box in all products and services. All right, well, thank you so much, Clark. We don't want to keep your wife waiting. Um, so thank you so much for giving up part of your Friday night and um, this was very inform informative, so thank you. Wow. Thank you all, and again, I hope you register. I hope you participate either in person or virtually for the DC leadership meetings in March, and keep advocating. And Natalie, this might be a good time to, to remind people that everyone who is a member of the Kentucky Council of the Blind can 
um, register for the virtual part of the convention and KCB will pay your um, $25 registration fee for that virtual part. We want as many people as possible participating. Page three, news about magazines from the National Library Service, NLS. The following information is from the Braille Book Review, November-December 2022. New Braille and audio magazines available. NLS recently added three new magazines to its collection, two in audio and one in Braille. The audio magazines are Harvard Women's Health Watch, available in audio, shares information on new prevention strategies, diagnostic techniques, medications, and treatments. Psychology Today, audio, a general interest psychology magazine representing a variety of perspectives and approaches. Guideposts, in Braille, shares inspirational stories. These magazines may be downloaded from BARD. To subscribe to them on cartridge or in hard copy, please contact your network library. The Frankfurt Library in Kentucky can be reached at 800-372-2968. Following is a list of Braille magazines in the NLS program. Readers may obtain free personal subscriptions to these magazines. For more information on the availability of specific magazines, consult your library that sends you Braille materials. These magazines are Braille Book Review, an NLS publication, Braille Chess Magazine, a British magazine, Braille Music Magazine, British, Catster, Conundrum, a British magazine, Cook's Illustrated, Cricket, The Realm of Imagination, for children and teens, Dell's Sunday Crosswords, Dogster, Guideposts, Harper's Literary, Health Newsletters, including Harvard Health Letter, Mayo Clinic Health Letter, and University of California Berkeley Wellness Letter, Interweave Knitting, Kiplinger Personal Finance Magazine, Muse for Children, Musical Mainstream, an NLS publication, National Geographic, National Geographic Kids, News, an NLS publication, The New York Times, Book Review, The New York Times, Large Print Weekly, PC World, Poetry, Popular Mechanics, Popular Music, Lead Sheets, Reader's Digest, Rolling Stone, Popular Culture, Science News, Scout Life for Children and Teens, Short Stories, British Publication, Spider, the Magazine for Children, Sports Illustrated Kids, Stone Soup, the Magazine by Young Writers and Artists, Children's Writings, and Today's Parent. Following is a list of audio magazines that are also available from your NLS library. Talking Book Topics July to August 2022, Volume 88, Number 4. Audio Magazines. For a free subscription to these magazines, contact your cooperating library or subscribe through BARD or BARD Mobile. AARP Bulletin, 
10 issues, and AARP, the magazine, 6 issues, on one cartridge. American History, 6 issues. Analog Science Fiction and Fact, 6 issues. Asimov Science Fiction, 6 issues. Atlantic Monthly, 10 issues. Audubon, 5 issues. Das Beste aus Reader's Digest, German, 12 issues. Bon Appetit, 10 issues. Consumer Reports, 12 issues. Contemporary Soundtrack, a review of pop, jazz, rock, and country, 6 issues. Cricket, 9 issues. Discover, 10 issues. The Economist, 51 issues. Ellery Queen, Mystery Magazine, 6 issues. Essence, 6 issues. Foreign Affairs, 6 issues. France Amérique, French, 12 issues. Good Housekeeping, 12 issues. Harper's Bazaar Magazine, 12 issues. Health and Nutrition Newsletters, includes Scientific American, Health After 50, 12 issues. Mayo Clinic Health Letter, 12 issues, and Nutrition Action Health Letter, 10 issues. Horticulture, 6 issues. Humpty Dumpty, 6 issues. Jack and Jill, 6 issues. Kiplinger's Personal Finance, 12 issues. Magazine of the Month, 12 issues. Muse, 9 issues. Musical Mainstream, 4 issues. The Nation, 35 issues. National Geographic, 12 issues. National Geographic Kids includes Cricket, 9 issues, 10 issues. National Review, 24 issues. The New Yorker, 52 issues. The New York Times Book Review, 52 issues. Outdoor Life, 4 issues. People, 52 issues. Piano Technician's Journal, 12 issues. Popular Science, 12 issues. QST, devoted entirely to amateur radio, 12 issues. Quarterly Music Magazine, 4 issues. Reader's Digest, 10 issues. Rolling Stone, 12 issues. Smithsonian, 11 issues. Sound and Vision, 10 issues. Southern Living, 13 issues. Spider for Children, 9 issues. Sports Illustrated, 27 issues. Sports Illustrated Kids, 11 issues. Talking Book Topics, 6 issues, also contains NLS News, published in 4 issues. Travel and Leisure, 12 issues. True West, 10 issues. Vital Speeches of the Day, 12 issues. The Week, 48 issues. Wired, 12 issues. The Writer, 12 issues. Yankee Magazine, 6 issues. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.